0: everybody, before we start the show, I just want to acknowledge Veterans Day. This is our special Veterans Day program. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all the armed forces, servicemen and women out there, folks that have uh, just sacrificed so, so much for this country. Incredibly appreciative of the freedoms that that we have in this country. And uh, I wanted to do a a little something special today, a little something extra. So we're gonna jump into the program in just a minute. Um, I know there are a lot of people that are in our industry that are former law enforcement. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, I just wanna say thank you for serving. Thank you for doing what you do. And uh, we stand with you and uh, we just appreciate who you guys are and who you girls are and everything that you uh, guys have done. So thank you for that. And uh, today we're gonna talk to Dave Johnson. Dave's a buddy of mine. He's a a former Green Beret and uh, just got an awesome story to how he got into the business here and how he's doing what he's doing for Conflict International. Uh, So I just uh, wanted to get on and say thanks and a
1: little extra show for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the show. Welcome to PI Perspectives, Today's show is all about thanking our veterans. Our industry has so many men and women who've served our country and sacrificed so much. Today's show features David Johnson from Conflict International. David served in the Army with the Green Berets. These days he's working with Conflict International and is a key player in managing their United States operation. DJ is a great friend of the show and he talks about what it's like transitioning from the military to the business world. Our only sponsor today is InvestigatorsToolbox.com. If you served our country, reach out to Matt today at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com and let him know. He'll give you a 50% discount to join Investigators Toolbox. The code is valid until November 18th, so act now.
0: And welcome everybody to the next episode of PI Perspectives. Uh, today we're doing something different. We, uh, we're honoring our veterans, right? We're having a special show here today on Veterans Day. And uh, I was trying to figure out who to reach out to, and I just kept coming back to my buddy Dave, uh, who did some amazing things while serving this country. You know, he's in the industry here, too. I've known him for a while. So uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, uh, would you mind doing this? And really, the focus is going to be on Dave's background, what he did when he was serving and where he is now and how he got to where he is now. So Dave, welcome back to the program. How are you?
2: Well, oh, hey Matt, thanks for having me again.
0: All right. so the last time we chatted, it was like right on the onset of COVID, and uh, I had you on for like the do's and don'ts, and we were talking about toilet paper and, and all great things like that. So, uh, what's going on these days with you? How's the toilet paper well, situation? I'm
2: happy happy to report that I uh, we don't have a shortage of toilet paper. Right. Um, we've made it through that part of the crisis, um, but yeah, obviously, since the last time we talked, there's been a lot of uh, developments. Things have uh, things have changed but uh, we're still going we're right. still we're still kicking so right. I just living my best life
0: and from New York you're down in North Carolina now I think right
2: yes so um, conflict international the company I work for we kind of made some adjustments in response to COVID and kind of in response to how things were going in the year 2020. And uh, we are actually growing in the Southeast region of the United States. We have a a main office in North Carolina in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, I moved down to Greensboro, North Carolina to kind of help facilitate that growth and to kind of help uh, expand our footprint. We do still maintain our office and our operations in New York. Uh, I am just no longer there.
0: Right. How's the barbecue down there?
2: Excellent. I actually just had some last night, and it was great. I hate you, (laughs) dude. Yeah,
0: I wanted to have you back on, man, because you served our country in a big way. And uh, I knew you, I probably met you like right before you left, within like a month or two of of, um, me meeting you, where you're like, I'm out, right? So walk me through... What that looks like and how you got to where you are today, because I think a lot of people even coming out of serving for our country really are lost and don't know what direction they want to take or, the, or they know what they want to do. They just don't know how to do it. So um, I wanted to, to tell your story of, of how you bravely served our country and then how you got to where you're at. So
2: walk, walk me through it. All right. Well, I guess I'll just start kind of at the beginning. Uh, In 2010, I graduated college and I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with my life. Uh, And I moved back to New York, uh, which which is where I met you, obviously, for the first time. And then um, anybody that knew me back at that point in time, they would not have pinged me as a soldier. They would not have been like, oh, this guy's going to join the military. And it did kind of happen last minute. Um, just kind of felt like that was the direction that I had to go. So, uh, long story short, uh, found my way into an army recruiting office and, uh, and joined the army from there. Uh, When I went in there, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I had absolutely no um, aspirations other than uh, we were still doing the Afghanistan, Iraq thing. And I was like, all right, I just want to go and fight for my country. I just want to go serve. So I walked, that's exactly what I said when I walked in there. I was like, look, I don't, I don't know anything about the military. I just want to serve. So I guess the first message that I would say to people, um, you know, everybody wants to have it all figured out and have all these plans. And I tell young soldiers uh, now that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the plans. If you want to serve and that's, that's in your heart, then just take the first step. And there is time to figure stuff out after you get in, Um, you know, but take it one step at a time. Um, So that was, uh, that was towards the end of 2010. And then uh, in March of 2011, I left for basic training. Um, and I went to be an infantryman. And uh, that was the career goal. The career path that I had in mind was just I wanted to be an infantryman. I wanted to be a grunt. I don't necessarily need to have any special um, training or any you know, specific expertise. Just put a rifle in my hand and let me go. Let me go find the bad guys kind of thing. Right. Uh, so I was about 23 years old, So I was not uh, as young as some people, but uh, I had a college degree. So um, I had a little bit of life experience, but uh, was learning it as I went along. So while I was going through the infantry program, the opportunity to do special forces came up and uh i had absolutely no idea what special forces was i had no idea what a green beret was um at the time i thought army rangers green berets navy seals whatever i thought they were all the same thing cool that sounds that sounds awesome and my one question was when um the recruiter posed it as an option to me was well what happens if i don't make it because at the time i think it was around like 30 percent of people that tried would actually make it the rest would fail out me i'm like well that's you know, odds aren't really in my favor. So what happens if I fell out? He goes, well, you just go back to being an infantryman, which is what you want to do anyway. And I was like, all right, I don't really have anything to lose then. So um, I got talked into it pretty easily to start the special forces uh, pipeline uh, to become a Green Beret. And again, Didn't really know much about it, just, you know, kind of figuring it out as I went along. And the more I researched the role of Green Beret and Special Forces, I really fell in love with what the mission set was. So for those of you that don't know, there is a big difference between Army Rangers, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, all of those Special Operations units out there. They all do serve a different function uh, within the community. And specifically, the Green Beret is the expert in unconventional warfare Uh, and, uh, there's a lot that goes into that there's a lot of definition there but really it's about being um, being the face of the United States to um you know indigenous counterparts so we would go into countries and we would be the uh, the people that would interact with these, Um, indigenous soldiers, fighters, militias, whatever it is, and we would train them and we would help them in whatever struggle it is that they were facing. So um, really it was, there's a combat aspect to it, but there was also a human aspect, the human element to it. And that's really what I fell in love with was the ability to interact and network with people and be um, be able to really develop relationships outside of my own normal comfort zone. Um, So uh, my first two years in the Army was all training, was all um, selection and assessments and making sure that I was actually going to be cut out for the job. Um, So in 2012, March 2012, exactly two years after I left for basic training, I actually graduated the Q course or the qualification course um, and became a Green Beret. And uh, I went uh, directly from there to Fort Campbell uh, in Kentucky and I served in fifth special forces group. Um, and that was just kind of the beginning of the adventure. Sure. Um, I, I loved, I loved being at fifth special forces group. I miss it even to this day, um, form some of the greatest bonds and greatest relationships that I've ever had in my life there. And guys that I'm still lifelong friends with and still, still interact with. Um, Really, I, during my time there, I was either deployed or I was training, right. um, spent spent a lot of time um, overseas. Um, and when we weren't overseas, we were preparing for going overseas. How
0: many, uh, how many countries did you uh, travel to?
2: Um, I actually just had this conversation with uh, some of the guys that I'm working with now. We have a big map up and everybody puts a pin into all right. the countries that they've been to. And surprisingly, I, I don't have the most pins in there. Um, but, um, I would say it's about a dozen with uh, my time, um, in the army. And it's not that I've necessarily gone and deployed to a dozen countries, but on my way to Afghanistan, you know, you stop in Spain, you stop in Germany, you stop in, so you've got all these layovers, you spend a week. I remember I spent two weeks in Germany cause our, uh, our plane, you know, uh, broke down and we were waiting for it to get repaired. So we spent, you know, two weeks in Germany, so okay, cool. (laughs) So uh, so it wasn't necessarily deploying to 12 different countries. It was just throughout the time of these deployments and such, you bounce around, you go to other places. And then sometimes while you're in one country to support the mission, you have to up and go to another country. Sure. Um, But uh, what is the way that special forces works is that we are all, all the different groups that are currently active, we're all aligned to certain regions within the world. Um, And fifth special forces groups region is the Middle East, which just through happenstance was where I got put and also where most of the conflicts we're involved in right now are happening. So I got to spend a lot of time in the Middle East Um, and really my time in in fifth special forces group afforded me the opportunity to learn a lot of things I learned how to speak Arabic. Um, don't ask me to speak it now. It's been a couple of years, so <laughs> pretty rusty. <laughs> and uh, but I, all of the training and the schools that I would go to, everything from different combat techniques and tactical things to ways to support um, interacting with people and meeting people and talking with people, cultural training and those types of things. So um, the job was just um, constantly feeding into me and giving me these these uh, skills and um and all these techniques that supported the job. So what is? So I guess when I started looking at getting out and after six years of being a Green Beret, um, the job had changed um, kind of as I gained in rank, some of the responsibilities that they were expecting of me had changed. And I kind of moved away from that. I just want to be a guy that goes and finds the bad guy and, and fights the bad guy. And it kind of looked like my job was going to start changing. So I I had an uh, opportunity because my contract is coming up to either say, okay, I'm going to go along with the change and um, and stay in and sign on for, for more years in the army. Or do I now take, um, you know, after eight years in the military, do I take some time now and I go and look at what the private sector looks like? And I go and look at what, what can I do in the civilian world with now the skills that I have? And, you know, I had a college degree that I wasn't really using. So, can I put that to use as well? Um, so all of these skills and everything that I learned, uh, I wanted to find a way that I could uh, apply those in the civilian world or apply those in the private sector. Um, and that was, that was a challenge at, at first. Um, I found it, um, and a lot of soldiers find it transitioning very difficult because you get so ingrained in the military life and right. you, you, that's the world and the life that you know. Um, And I tried to reach out to all these different resources and these um, these groups and these um, these nonprofits that focus on helping soldiers transition. And it really was a big help. Um, But it really gets to a point where you have to find where you're going to fit in. You have to take the step. You have to do that. So when I got out of the Army, um, I knew that I kind of had a sense for business. I kind of knew that I enjoyed business. I enjoyed, um, you know, management. And believe it or not, in the Army, I actually had a chance to develop a lot of those business management skills and <laughs> um, just being a leader and such. And when, you know, as a Green Beret, when you're deployed, you're not necessarily always dealing with just other soldiers. You know, sometimes you are dealing with high net worth individuals, business people in the business world. Um, if, if anybody, if any of your listeners have ever been on an embassy uh, overseas, a lot of the things in an embassy are run very much like a business. So right. there's a lot of business management techniques that I picked up while working in embassies overseas or interacting with, inter- with these international business people. Um so I wanted to apply a lot of that. So I got into finance. That was my first job coming out of the army. Um, that was 2019. So February of 2019, I um, became a uh, became a financial consultant, and I worked for AXA, uh, which is now Equitable. And uh, I spent a little bit of time there, um, and really that was my time to kind of reintegrate back into being a civilian. So another thing I like to give advice to soldiers that are, are, they're transitioning out is you do have to find your niche. You have to find where you fit in. Take the time to look at your skills, look at what you're doing and pursue some things that may be risky. You know, I'm not in finance now. I took a little bit of a risk in pursuing it and I learned a lot and it and it fostered a lot of those skills that may have been a little crude and rudimentary from the military. And that gave me a chance to sharpen and refine those skills. Sure. Um, and then actually, so through that and Matt, you know, being back in New York now and working in finance in New York City, I had a chance to reconnect with all of my old friends and people that I knew before the military. And that was a chance, obviously, where me and you began to develop and foster our relationship again. Right. And, uh, you started introducing me to a lot of people in your community. Um, Definitely. And, and, uh, that's, that's another big thing that I like to, that I like to tell people. And obviously I know that you harp on this a lot with people is networking, networking, networking. Yes. Having skills. Yes. Having talents. Yes. Having certifications and all those things are very important and they're very good. And you always want to pursue further education, but networking and getting to know people in and out of the industries that you are interested in. I I like to never pass up an opportunity to meet somebody and and share a part of my story or hear part of their story. Exchange a business card, know your elevator pitch. You know, that's like a big thing is just know if you're going to have a 30 to 45 second conversation with somebody, you should already know what you want to hit on, what you want to talk on. Sure. Yep. And networking is huge. And, um, you know, you afforded me the opportunity to do a lot of networking in your community. But I also pursued a lot of opportunities to network outside of that. So as a soldier coming out, there's a lot of things that um, and and coming from a unit where a lot of things they said, don't talk about it, you know, that has to stay under wraps. um, It was a big adjustment for me to. Now I do want to talk about things. Obviously there's things I'm not going to talk about, but I do want to mention the fact, Hey, I was special forces or Hey, I was in the army or, you know, Hey, I remember when I was in X city, when I was in the army, Um, those types of things become conversation starters. And people obviously want to hear those things if they're unique stories. So Using the experiences that I had in the military as a chance to network as well, um, ultimately have now gotten me to where I am in the private sector. And when I say the private sector, private security, private intelligence and investigations. Um, so the uh, the story goes, Matt, um, I actually uh, went with, with you and some of the people you introduced me to to. Um, to a gala in right. Brooklyn. Society of uh, Professional
0: Investigators, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's Society actually, I don't I don't deserve any of the credit for that. That's all Nick Hemanitis, uh, who, who was a guest on the show, right? So right. the uh, NH group, he said, hey, Dave, that guy that you introduced me to, I'm going to bring him to this gala. I've got extra tickets, but the deal right. is he's got to bring his unit with him. Right, so right. that's so, what happened, right? So
2: I remember, I remember speaking with Nick, and he he told me he's like, "Look, I've got all these extra seats at my table. I want you to fill them with veterans or soldiers." And I told him I was like, "Well, I can reach back to you know all these Green Berets that I know, and we can I can fill the table with Green Berets." And he was like, "He's like, oh, that sounds awesome." And I had to tell him, "I'm like, all right, I just
0: <laughs> be warned. Want you to understand what you're asking
2: here is, you know these these guys they can get pretty rowdy, so." Right. He was, he was, he was fine with it. And it did get a little rowdy, but we had a lot of fun. (laughs) And Nick, Nick was, Nick was, he was great. He uh, huge support definitely helped me out as well. Um, And I still talk to Nick, you know, seldomly here and there. Um, But again, just the emphasis on networking it's the emphasis on building and fostering those relationships. And when, when we were at this gala, obviously I wanted to take that opportunity as a chance to network and, it was at that gala, that networking event, that I had the opportunity to meet Mike LaCorte and Stephen Kamorik. who, um, Mike is the CEO for uh, Conflict International, and uh, Stephen is the U.S. Director of Operations. Um, And after meeting them and spending some time with them, and then fostering those relationships, um, they eventually recruited me into Conflict International. And that's where I work now. So, uh, my title now is the uh, U.S. Business Manager for uh, Conflict International. Um, and without you know diving into too much detail and boring everybody, um, I handle a lot of the business side of things for the, for the company. So sure. my love uh, for business and being able to foster those skills when I was in finance and even when I was in the military, um, I'm now able to apply that to my to my job now. Um, So I handle uh, a lot of client interaction, a lot of uh, our existing clients and new clientele. Usually I'm the first um, interaction they'll have with the company, especially here in the U.S. Um, And then the behind the scenes business operations type things. I have a lot of oversight on those, um, but I do have uh, a great team that I that I rely on uh, to handle a lot of that stuff as well. Um, But it's constantly about now taking the expertise that I have gained over the past decade and how do I apply that now to my life? So obviously being in now the private intelligence, private security and investigations field, there's a lot of overlap from being in the military, but it's a very different world. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of nuance to being in the private sector and, and I'm still learning that and I'm still picking up on that. Sure. So that would be the next piece of advice or, or such that I would give to a veteran coming out is yes, you do have a lot of skills. Yes. You do have a lot of, um, things that you can rely on, but understand that this is not the military. This is not the army and the private sector. Things are done differently and you need to learn that and take the time, um, to invest in educating yourself on that. So network and learn. Those are the big things. Um, so I I now I love my job. I love where I'm at. I love what I do. Um, I think I found my fit, um, and it gives me the opportunity to not only focus on the business side of things, which I love business, but that that love that I have for interacting with people and networking. That's a huge part of my job. Networking a while, whether it's with other PIs in um, you know other companies, going to networking events, or my clientele. Being able to sit down, talk, go out to dinner with, or, or hop on a, a, a Zoom call with some of my clients. That's that those types of things just make the job not seem like a job. You yeah, know, sure. I, I love doing that. Sure. Um, and then there's always, there's always the chance to be involved and help out and assist uh, with some of the, with some of the operational stuff, you know, and then that's where you kind of get to, to scratch that itch a little bit of, okay, well, you know, I was a Green Beret. And although. I'm not doing it now. And my body probably wouldn't agree with jumping out of, you know, airplanes and helicopters and all that right now. You know, you right. still get the itch every once in a while. Let me let me go do something. Sure. Um, and and I still have the ability to do that every once in a while. So. Um, so, yes, it's it's been a, it's been quite a, a road, quite an adventure. Yeah. Um, and I. Uh, you know, I, I loved being in the military and when, every time someone thanks me for, for my service and anybody who's ever been thanked for their service, they, they know that that actually can be a pretty awkward interaction, right? Yeah, it's um, but, <laughs> but my response is always, it, it was my pleasure. I loved every, I loved every minute of it. And, mm. um, unfortunately, um, you know, there were some injuries that I sustained that really made, um, the, my ability to keep doing what I was doing, um, really not feasible. Um, and then, like I said, the job the job began to change. Sure. So uh, I made a choice to, to get out. But um, you know, the relationships that I fostered there, the time that I spent there, all of that stuff, I, I love it so much. And now, my time with Conflict International um, is the next chapter. Yeah. You know, and we do great things for for people all over the world. Um, and that's that's really and. That's really the big thing about Conflict International that I think sets us apart is our ability to reach clientele all over the world. Um, we have investigations, you know, multiple investigations going on all over the world, even during coronavirus. Right. Um, we're able to, we have people that are already strategically placed in these different countries that we don't have to worry about the travel bans. We don't have to worry about borders because we've already have investigators or security professionals in these countries that we can just call up and be like, hey, we need you to. Yeah. That's a game changer. On on, yeah. on it, this, on this particular issue that we have. Big game changer. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of the, uh. That's kind of the quick short of it. Quick. So <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that was that was good.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. So we're, we're going to take a break real quick. And then when we come back in, I want to cover a couple of the points of, of what you said, because I thought um, there were some really good things, some good tips that I just want to kind of hammer home a little bit and um, and talk about a bit. So everybody sit tight. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: PI Perspectives. The Investigator's Toolbox is here. Are you a licensed investigator? An investigative or security professional? How would you like to gain work-based skills, be more productive and grow your business? Oh, welcome to the toolbox.com. Check out this industry-changing website that's pioneering into the future today. You can network with other investigators in our forums. You can take a webinar, check out a blog or read an article to brush up on your skills. You can visit our vast resource catalog of research websites and bookmark them in your own private library. Everybody's talking about the investigator's toolbox. This really is the future of networking, learning, and resource management. Check this out. For a limited time, we're offering a legacy discount for new members. If you sign up early, we'll save you 25%. Take advantage of exclusive discounts from site partners like Crosstracks, Delft Point, PI Magazine, Heatherington Group, Scope Now, Paraben, and so many more. Just visit the website investigators-toolbox.com and check out the demo video in the Who We Are section. Can you afford 41 cents a day? If the answer is yes, then don't delay. Join the community. InvestigatorsToolbox.com These discounts won't last. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com
0: And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare. We're doing a special show today for Veterans Day. I've got a, an awesome veteran with me, Dave Johnson, who's over at uh, Conflict In- International. And uh, Dave, welcome back to the program.
2: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to cover a couple things, man. So before we, we broke out, um, you had talked about, you know, obviously the networking thing and, and you know, the story of, of how you ended up hooking up with the conflict is is a cool story, right? But um you know, there, there had to be some assertiveness there too. Right. Mm-hmm. So making that effort to be there, not knowing what was going to come out of it, you know, it was just like, Hey, let's, let's all hang out at this gala thing. And, you know, I didn't know Mike was going to be there. I didn't know Steven. Right. Oh, probably they usually show up for that one. Um, but I didn't have the guest list. I didn't say like, Hey, you know, you got to introduce, I got to introduce you to Mike Lacord. I didn't say that, you know, it was more like, Hey, this would be a good idea if you come here. Because if you're looking to do this type of work eventually, because at that point you weren't even sure if you were looking to move. Um, right. I think the discussion you and I had, you were like, you know, I should probably do a little more of this finance stuff and, and get some of that under my belt before I, I shift over. And I was like, well, just come anyways. You know, like it's good to lay, lay the the foundation. And it was just such a good fit. Like these guys were all over you. <laughs> I mean, and even the, 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 your guys. I mean, that night, um, we won't get into details, but I know I, t- I tapped out at a certain point, and yeah. uh, it was enough for me. Yep. <laughs> it was time for yeah. Matt to go home. <laughs> yeah, But, uh, yeah, it was uh, the the party the after party, the after, after party. And then from what I hear, the after, after, after party were interesting. It was, yeah,
2: it was, it was, it was an endurance race for sure. Oh,
0: those are New York days, man. I miss those days. <laughs> um, and, and, and how about for you, you know, like literally, I think you, you ended up starting with conflict like February 1st, I think, right? Somewhere around there, you know, yeah. and then March. Yeah, it was, it was
2: February 1st actually was my, was my start date, February 1st, 2020. And it was, uh, It's been unique because normally when you start in a job, um, especially in a job like this, there's a lot of on-the-job training. You spend a lot of time um, interacting with uh, your coworkers and getting a feel for the office. And with us being an international organization, we had already keyed up a whole bunch of trips where, hey, you're going to travel to London, you're going to meet the team over there, or you're going to go to this place. And then COVID hit. COVID, right. And exactly. I, it was like, here I am now a month into this new company where I don't really know anybody except for the the couple people that I've met in person that I haven't really spent a lot of time with. Right. And now I'm working from home. Right. And I'm stuck in my, my home office, which, you know, obviously has its benefits. Everybody, everybody can, you know, agree that, you know, not having to get up and rush to work in the morning isn't bad. But here I am trying to work in what essentially is a team, you know, and I don't know anybody. So uh, it kind of goes back to, you know, the assertiveness thing you're talking about, um, how to overcome those types of ob- obstacles. You kind of just have to, you have to assert yourself. You have to push yourself in there. You have to know what your role is and be confident. Um, but at the same time, it's a balancing act. You know, you right. don't want to be, you don't want to be that guy that knows everything.
0: Right, you got to be humble. Um, yeah, there's definitely yeah, exactly. be
2: yeah. humble, yeah. but yeah. you were brought here for a reason. You know, so let's let's you know start to start to assert those in small ways. Be smart about it. Be strategic. Um, And I think that that's a good point. You know, when it comes to um, networking, you know, like you had said, at at a networking event, yeah, you could show up to a networking event and just stand in the corner with your drink and not talk to anybody. Did you technically go to a networking event? Yeah, but we've all heard the adage, you know, you miss every opportunity you don't take. So it's like if you just if, if you look at these people, they're there to meet people. That's why they're there. You're there to meet people. And the worst that can happen is you walk up, you shake somebody's hand and it's a three second conversation that doesn't get you anywhere. Sure, And that's it. And that's fine. But you have to be able to walk up, to somebody shake their hand and be, and like I said, have that elevator pitch, be able to talk to somebody because you're right. I went there and I was just going because I was invited and I enjoy meeting new people. I had absolutely no... Um, desire to move on from the company that I was at. I enjoyed where I worked and the people that I worked with. Um, and then this opportunity presented itself through that networking event, and then I jumped on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, picking up and starting at February first, and then really beginning of March, we get put in a lockdown. It has been an interesting uh, first year, to uh, to say the least. But. Uh, you know, the team that I'm on is great, you know, and their understanding of those types of things. And uh, I, I really work with a ton of experts yeah. between the U.S. and the London team and even even beyond in the Far East. Um, these these guys are absolute professionals. So where I'm unable to really call on some of the experience that, um, that they have, they'll step in and they'll help me with that. And that really, that's how Conflict as a whole, I feel, has not just survived but thrived through this uh, pandemic. Is we're a team and we relied on each other and our strengths, and we we didn't shy away from our weaknesses. You know, if there was an issue or I was weak somewhere, I didn't try to hide it. I made sure there's like, hey guys, like I don't know what's going on here, or hey guys, we've got an issue or I've got an issue, um, and I need some help. And it was just that that team aspect that I think has kind of brought us now to the point where. We're back to the volume that we were at pre-COVID um, and we're growing, we're growing, you know, so that's that's really being able to assert yourself and find your place on the team and do that balancing act between being assertive but being humble. And that's that's something that as a veteran, you know, being in the military is ingrained in your in, into your skull. You have to find the right time to open your mouth and the right time to keep your mouth shut. You need to find the right times to assert your skills. And then, you know what, there's times maybe to just let somebody else do it. And it's trial by fire because sometimes you make the mistake and it's not a comfortable, it's not a comfortable learning experience. Well, but
0: especially when you, when you work with Steven, right? You work with Steven yeah. from Ork, forget it. He'll never let you forget it.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Steven, <laughs> Steven <Stephen's, in> <laughs> is great, but he, yeah. he definitely demands a high level of, uh, of professionalism and excellence. And I think that that, that pushes me to, um, that pushes me to be better every day when I show up. And it's not just Steven, it's, it's across the board, the leadership at Conflict International um you know we expected a, a certain level of professionalism and if you're not there but you're showing the the aspirations and the goals to get there we'll work with you to get you there but yeah. you have to be assertive and you have yeah. to know that that balancing act
0: oh man i meant the teasing i didn't mean the, the you know oh yeah down. well yeah
2: there's <laughs> there's plenty of that too i mean anybody that spent some time in the military and on a team you realize that um we can be professionals but sometimes you're uh you gotta have some thick skin. We'll put it that well, way. That's what yeah. I love
0: about Steve. He like throws me text messages making fun of you all the time.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's all right. He's got his new kick now is that I'm his uh, big handsome gorilla. He calls yeah. me so bizarre. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's sorry. all right. It, it could be worse. I've been called worse. Take it right <laughs> Take yeah. it with a grain of salt.
0: No, that's good. And you know they are good people over there. Um, I have tons of respect for Mike and Steve and, and the operation that they run. It is really top notch. And and when I heard that they were thinking about, you know, like uh, contacting you, I I was like, yes, like this is, this is perfect. This is really great. It's going to be a match made in heaven uh, per se. So what do you think, you know, I know we covered a couple of things, but what do you think like guys coming out of the military or girls coming out of the military, what do you think is like the number one big mistake that they make coming out uh, trying to figure out what they're doing?
2: So I think the biggest mistake that's made is they kind of, and I don't know that it's done intentionally, you're in the military, you get used to the system, the military system doing a lot for you, right? You know, usually they have the answers to the questions before you even ask the questions and they give you clear instruction on what you need to do. Well, transitioning out of the military, that's on you. And no one's going to be sitting there answering questions before you ask them. I think the biggest mistake that people make is they kind of either wait until last minute and they're like, well, nobody gave me instruction and told me what to do. Or they get out and they realize, oh, my gosh, I don't have this steady stream of income. What am I going to do for work? Um, And you really need to be forward thinking. You really need to be like, "Okay, in a year or in six months, I'm going to be on my own. And I really need to hit the ground running here. I need to get my resume together. I need to start talking to employers. I need to put applications in. Um, I, I know in the Army, and I I, I don't know the other uh, branches, but I'm sure that there are programs that exist in the Army. The Army actually has some really great programs um, to help you develop some civilian certifications and some skills. I was going through um, the Six Sigma uh, training before I got out to get my Six Sigma green belt. And Those are those are civilian certifications that look really good on the outside. Um, Those opportunities are there for soldiers getting out. The problem is, is that no one's going to come to you and be like, hey, you should do this. It's on you to go and find that. Do the research. Go out and look. Do the if if you're if you're injured and you need to get that on record with the with the Veterans Affairs, the Veterans Affairs isn't going to come to you you need to go find them and you need to talk to them and you need to figure out the process. You need to leave yourself plenty of time to do it. That was the number one thing I saw. I'm glad that I didn't fall into. I I grant my success coming out to the preparedness that I put in my last year. While I was in there, I knew, okay, I'm going to get out and I need to prepare myself now. I need to be ready to become a civilian and get a job and start taking care of myself. Um, but a lot of soldiers will within the last three months, are like, okay, now I'm, I'm getting out in three months, and I still have all of these things that I need to do. And it is a lengthy process, there is a lot that you have to do. Um, and then you know, come their ETS date, their, their end of service date, they find themselves without a job, they find themselves wondering how they're going to pay rent the next month, and they're like, oh my goodness why didn't i do all this stuff ahead of time so yeah. you have to you have to be a go getter no one's going to hand it to you and then that's 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 being a civilian that's being an adult. a lot of a lot of people that get out of the military they joined when they were 18 years old they came right from home and uh, unfortunately they went right into a system where things again were were built for them were handed to them where they fell right into a system you get out as an adult you're in your 30s or 40s you're on your own, Jack, you got to figure this stuff out on your own. And you need to be a self starter, you need to go and get these things. And these things aren't going to be handed to you. Um, And if that's something you need help with, and you need to you need to seek out help with that. Um, So I think that um, the big thing I would just, you know, specifically to transitioning soldiers is, is to be a go getter. You know, my dad used to say it all the time, finding a job is a full time job. So that's, that's your job at that point. You got to do full time. I'm looking for, for work. And it may not be your dream job. Right. Okay. And I, I see this a lot with guys that are high rank, high command. Right. They think that they're going to come out into the civilian world. I mean, I see it guys wanting to come work for a conflict international from the military. You know, it's like this guy was a sergeant major over this unit and he had tons of soldiers underneath of him. And it's just like, I may have a spot for you, but it's not going to be overseeing 300 people, right. you know, I, I may have a spot for you, you know, entry level because I'm sorry, but you're, you have great experience in the military, but again, does that transfer into the civilian world? Yeah. You know, or did you just, did you just think that because you were a Sergeant major and you've got tons of soldiers underneath you that you, someone was going to hand you a job because of how awesome your military resume looks. It, it doesn't go like that. It doesn't yeah. work like that.
0: Yeah. No, there definitely needs to be backup up on it. And it, and it's, in this industry, especially in this building blocks, you know, like every job you have, every experience that you have will lead you into the next experience. And you're going to find that there's skill sets and there are things that you've learned at one job that will translate into the next job and into the next one or the next position in the company. As you grow within your company, your experience builds on, on one another. And you know, th- that's the thing about military. And, and you know, I always look when I'm looking to hire too um, internally, right? So that's something I'll go, Ooh, okay, this is cool, but there still needs to be the character behind it, right? So I would always give preference to military, always. You know, that's somebody I definitely want to talk to this person. I want to talk to them, not that I want to hire them. I want to talk to right. them because I want to see the character. I want to see what did they do and, and understand who they are as a, uh, as a person. Um, and uh, I, I think you're, you're right that, uh, you know, you have to go out there and be assertive with uh, trying to get a job um, and that, that will only be a plus. It's not going to get you a job. Make it to the interview, you know. Right. And then it's right. yours from from there. Um, you know, trying to remember that I think is uh, is is something to really keep in the back of your mind. If that's you know, if this is what you want to do. And I think uh, uh, even professionals like that come out of the military, like they're trying to decide like what what do they want to be? What exactly do they want to do? Do they want to be a grunt still, or do they want to do right. something else? You know, because it that would affect your ability to get a job. Um, also. um,
2: Yeah. I think that one of the, one of the big things that they tell you when you're getting out of the military is that you have all these great skills and they can translate to civilian side. And that's not necessarily false, but there has to be a translation. The employer that you're about to interview with, they're not going to translate your skills for you. They're not going to look at your resume from the military and be like, okay, Hey, that's how we can use this skill or, Hey, that's how we can apply this. No, you need to be ready to take your military skill and redefine that to meet the intent of your employer. You need to, you need to show how you're valuable to that employer. You know, a for instance is, is that I was, I was an 18 Charlie when I was um, in the special forces and Um, one of the expertise that comes along with being an 18 charlie is you're you're the demolitions you're the explosives expert i
0: saw that video by the way (laughs) it was really cool (laughs) look
2: in the army that's cool and i can go over and i can be like hey i'm an 18 charlie and immediately as soon as i tell somebody that in the army that i'm an 18 charlie they're like this guy he knows explosives that when it comes to something explosives we can trust this guy um on on his word nobody in the civilian world cares that i can make a homemade explosive that that is a skill that yes is there a way that I can translate that to civilian side? Yes. But if I just come out and be like, hey, I'm an explosives expert, they're going to be like, okay, great. What does that do for me? Right. right. You know? So then you have to find, okay, what parts of being an explosive expert, being an engineer translate well? Okay. Well, that gives me, you know, I had to learn all kinds of formulas, math and, you know, engineering, chemistry, et- yeah. those types of things. Yeah. You pick out those types of things and you yeah. start to redefine those skills and then put that into what a civilian. So with that, I had to learn safety standards and I had to learn hazmat control and I had to learn um, how to, you know, how to operate these things in in a safe way around other people. Okay. Now you're talking about OSHA standards. Now you're talking about um, safety standard. Everybody wants safety in the workplace. So those types of things, you need to learn ways to translate your skills. Your employer is not going to do that for you. Right. So that's a big thing I think that soldiers coming out need to need to realize.
0: So tell me a little bit about that video because I think it's cool. It's a munition video. You, you were uh, blowing up some stuff that needed to get rid of, right? Uh, yeah. Tell me so, the backstory um, on that one.
2: It was on my last deployment. And unfortunately, I can't tell you where No, it no, is. I don't want to know where yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, a big portion of the mission was we would find enemy, um, munition stockpiles. Um, so their weapons or, uh, they had explosives or IEDs that they made. And when we find them, obviously we don't want to leave them laying around for them to be used again. So my job was to, um, take them into a safe location. So obviously we were in a very remote part of the desert where there was nobody around, um, and to destroy them. And, you know, you destroy those things by blowing them up. So, Um, one of the caches that we came upon, we actually recovered a drone as well. So eventually the drone got destroyed, but I was like, well, you know, maybe I want to see, cause you can't be close <laughs> to it. Too. So when you're doing explosives, you have to be MSD minimum yeah. safe distance away. And for a large explosion like that, it was far away. So could you still see it? Yes. But you know, Maybe I want to see what it looks like up front. And so I was like, let's fly the drone in over top of the explosion. Right. If it, it gets blown up, then- whatever. <laughs> then whatever. We're going to destroy it anyway. Right. So um, we flew the drone in and recorded the explosion. It was actually, if you watch the video, there's a, a large cache. And then there was a, a smaller one uh, off to the side. And I can't remember why we had two separate piles. But um, there was two separate piles. And um, yeah, it was, um, there was a few IEDs in there. Uh, some some grad rockets, which are just really long rockets that can be launched from a truck Um, and some, you know, a bunch of random munitions and stuff and uh, got the the drone survived. It did. Thank God. God. So yeah, big, (laughs) big boom. But that that was, that was one of the, expertise that I had being on my team is that if that type of thing had to be done, then they would be like, okay, let's get the 18 Charlie over yeah, here. DJ, and would, I would do. <laughs> Nice.
0: So. Cool. Well, on that note, I think we'll blow <laughs> the show up and, yeah. and end it. So, Hey Dave, thank you so much for serving. I'm going to put you awkward, man, but I really, yeah. I really appreciate it, man. It's thank my you. My pleasure. It was yeah. my pleasure. Really? Yeah. I mean, just you and so many, so many people out there that make the ultimate sacrifice even, um you know we 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 don't joke about that because that is a very serious thing and um you know it is it is appreciated um and uh you know i'm i'm happy you made it home and i'm happy you're doing great and and uh you know this next chapter in your life is exciting even though covid is has put a uh i don't know a little interesting flavor into it you know you're kind of dealing with it uh and i'm excited for you man and i know i'm gonna see you all those events you were talking about are all those places to go to i was supposed to be there too so i was kind of bummed about that like aruba would have been nice you know exactly uh i was supposed to be in san diego this week we were we talking about uh was it luxembourg in in april or um and i don't know somewhere in somewhere in europe is supposed to be in april i don't think that's happening you know we'll we'll see um But uh, hey, man, thank you. How do folks get a hold of you if they have any questions or anything like that?
2: So you can go to conflictinternational.com and all of our services are listed there um, and contact information for both our London office and our U.S. office. So that's really the best place to go. And we're also on all the social media platforms, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. You just search Conflict International and uh, you can reach out to us there as well
0: awesome awesome well thank you uh dave and thank you everyone for tuning in uh to this special program here and uh, we're going to be back on monday with a regular show um so i hope everyone's uh, enjoying uh the the day here and if you're listening to this program and you're a veteran uh, thank you also for serving and uh and for just making that sacrifice uh we really really appreciate it so um all right everybody have a good day and we'll
1: catch you guys soon on the next show Thank you to DJ and our listeners who bravely serve this country. We also have to recognize those who pay the ultimate sacrifice. There's no greater honor than to lay down your own life for the benefit of others. We thank you. Don't forget Matt's offer to veterans to join investigators-toolbox.com for a half price. Email him today for the code. If you have a question or comment about the show, email Matt at matthews at satellitepi.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. We'll see you on Monday with a new show. Make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.